Are you uncertain how, when, and if to discipline a child with special needs? Do you struggle to know which battles are worth fighting and which ones require grace? Would you like to hear from a mama who can empathize with your unique parenting challenges? Well, then we are so excited you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. If you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubber.com slash support to donate any amount. And thank you listeners for your support. This enables us to further our mission, which is to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Long before my husband and I had kids of our own, I knew I wanted to be a homeschooling mom. But when my oldest was ready to start kindergarten, I had just had our third child, who we affectionately referred to as the baby monster. Homeschooling didn't seem possible with a kindergartner, a toddler, and a baby monster. I was so thankful that a friend introduced me to BJU Press. Their all-in-one curriculum resources gave me the confidence to homeschool at a time when it didn't seem possible. Their video lessons that, by the way, are engaging and taught by experienced teachers, those videos were a time and a sanity saver for me. Best of all, their K-5 through grade 12 all-in-one curriculum options are rooted in a solid biblical worldview. To learn more about BJU Press, go to bjupresshomeschool.com and see what they have to offer. You'll find their parent-led resources as well as independent learning materials at bjupresshomeschool.com. And tell them the baby monster sent you. Well, we are so excited to have our guest, Sonia Schaefer, back to share more wisdom for parents of children with special needs today. In case you guys missed last week's episode, which was fantastic, by the way, allow me to tell you a little about Sonia. Sonia and her husband, John, have four daughters whom they homeschooled all the way through with the Charlotte Mason Method. Sonia has a special place in her heart for parents dealing with special needs children because her youngest daughter has autism and developmental delays. Sonia is a popular podcaster, a sought-after speaker, and one of my favorite people in the whole world. Sonia, thank you for taking time to be on with us again today. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you again. Listeners, I do just want to reiterate, if you missed last week's episode, you'll definitely want to go back and listen to that one. Sonia laid out for us the reasons we should focus on obedience in our children and also several questions to ask ourselves that will help us to not make assumptions. These questions truly help parents to get to the heart of behaviors, particularly disobedience that we'll see in their special needs children. Sonia, we talk frequently on this podcast about the need for obedience and our biblical mandate as parents to require that of our children, but I know that parents of children with special needs have a unique challenge. So once parents have taken the time to think through their child's possible disobedience, you encourage them to pick their battles wisely. Uh, Can you share with us your thoughts on creating a hierarchy of which actions are most important to address in our special needs children? Yeah, because there are so many factors involved, we almost have to make a hierarchy of 
which actions are most important, which ones are the top priorities to work on, and which ones can be further down the list or perhaps not even make it onto the list. If I'm going to err, I would rather err on the side of grace, but there are some skills that I would choose to persevere in and keep working on over and over again, no matter what, just because they're so safety-related. For example, my daughter Holly has terrible posture. Now, we exercise to try to strengthen her muscle tone, but I don't want to make stand-up straight a matter of importance and perpetual effort right now. Mm. Why? Because we're still working on look for moving cars in the parking lot and stop when mom says to because you didn't (laughs) notice a moving car coming toward you. Mm. Now, to me, that safety rule is more important than her posture right now. Mm. And so we need to put our focus there until we've got it. I don't want to overload her with too many areas of directives. And I don't want her to feel like we're constantly picking on her, you know, Mm. pointing out what she's doing wrong and never encouraging her to relax or celebrate success. Well, that's a good word for all of the parents listening, myself included. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Sonia, you shared a story with Ginger and me about hitting your head on a cupboard, which doesn't sound Mm. fun. Can you share that story with our listeners and then give us your thoughts on what the Lord has taught you about the opinions and reactions of others who may or may not understand your daughter's behaviors and intentions? Yeah, this is another example of picking my battles. Holly sometimes laughs when people hurt themselves. And the other day I hit my head on a cupboard door and she laughed. But I realized that her laughter is a reaction to that sudden noise and that unusual situation. You know, mom doesn't usually bang her head on the cupboard door. (laughs) Her laughter was not malicious. It doesn't stem from an unkind heart. It's just that she's not developmentally able to put herself in someone else's place or understand a situation from someone else's perspective yet. Mm. She can't comprehend that something that looks or sounds funny to her actually could cause pain to someone else. So for me to focus on teaching her, don't laugh when someone hurts himself, would be really difficult, and it'd be perplexing to her right now. It's not a safety issue, So it's not real high on my list of priorities to focus on. Now, maybe someday, but not right now. But as you said, sometimes that tendency to laugh, quote, inappropriately, has elicited some puzzled looks when it involves other people. At this point in my life, I tend to ignore other people's assumptions about my daughter Over the 24 years of her life, it's been 20 years since her diagnosis, I've discovered that people are often quick to jump to conclusions or to make assumptions, but rarely, if ever, do they stop and invest the time to really understand what's going on. Mm. My first priority is to my daughter, more specifically, to protect her and provide for her. Now, if someone makes an unkind remark to her or in her hearing, you bet I'm going to step in and try to educate while maintaining her personal dignity. But Mm -hmm. most of the time, people just give us a puzzled look 
and keep moving. They're usually too busy and too preoccupied to intentionally engage with us. And that might sound calloused, but the thing that the Lord has worked in my heart is to view those people with grace. Their intent isn't vicious. They simply haven't had the experiences that we've lived with for the past 20 years. Mm. They don't realize what they don't know, what they're ignorant of. Now, it used to be that, you know, my mama bear heart would rise up in righteous indignation if people Mm -hmm. misunderstood or even gave us strange looks. But God has been softening my heart little by little to where I can notice those looks and dismiss them as unimportant to the situation I'm dealing with, but without any malice toward the people themselves. You know, there are many people walking around today who have inner hurts and difficult situations that I don't know anything about. And I can easily say something or do something that might add to their hurt, and I wouldn't have a clue. Now, if that happens, I would want them to recognize that I wasn't trying to hurt them. I just didn't know. And God is teaching me to extend that same grace to others who simply don't understand because they haven't had the same experiences that I'm living with. Mm. Do my feelings still get hurt sometimes? Yes. But God is faithfully helping me to grow in that aspect of grace. Mm. Ginger, before you respond, I want to share, if if I could, a really quick story on the other side of that coin. Uh, We were driving through my in-law's neighborhood, and we got to a place in the road where there was a man standing in the middle of the road, fidgeting with his phone. And he looked, he had this camelback on like he'd been on a run and standing in the middle of the road. And I had to swerve way out (laughs) of my lane to go around him. He never looked up. He never acknowledged. And in my mind and in my heart and maybe out loud in my car, I thought, (laughs) well, that's a very self-important man who wouldn't move out of the way of a moving vehicle. And uh, then we arrived at my in-law's house and I happened to mention to my father-in-law, because this happened only a few doors down from him. And I was like, yeah, there was a man standing in the middle of the road like he owned it. And he said, yeah, and just told me how this man had dementia and um, didn't often know what was going on around him. Well, I felt like the biggest heel that ever existed. And it just goes to show that we are so quick. I am so quick to make assumptions about people's intentions. You know, I was just standing in the road and heaven forbid anyone inconvenience me with my steering wheel. I mean, it just, it really pricked my heart and showed how easy it is for us to make assumptions. So I just appreciate you showing grace to those of us who can so easily make assumptions and think things that may not be true because we're in our own heads and in our own world sometimes. So I appreciate you sharing that. We're all growing, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all growing in both sides of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And Sonia, I don't want us to get too far off topic here, but you sharing that, it does bring a question to mind that I think a lot of people might have. You know, it's like you said, many people don't know how to respond to or interact with children with special needs. And I'm just going to be really honest here that I've always been a little bit anxious when I'm around Holly because I'm so afraid that I'm going to say or do the wrong thing, something that might upset her, which I've actually done before, and it just killed me. Uh, 
Holly, she likes to go by the name Holly and sometimes uh, Hannah. And so I made the mistake of calling her Hannah one time and I could tell that it really bothered her. And so that really bothered me uh, because she is just so precious. But because I'm not sure always of how to interact with her, I sometimes don't. Mm. Then I feel like I'm ignoring her and I don't want to do that either. So as a mom of a special needs child, are there any tips that you can give to those of us who don't know how to interact? And, you know, now that I think about it, Sonia, I wish I'd come to you with this question before now. I should have just been honest with you a while back and just said, hey, you know, I, I really don't know exactly how to interact with Holly. Would you be willing to give me a few do's and don'ts that might be helpful? Mm-hmm. Sonia, would you appreciate someone approaching you with that, a question like that? And, and you know, I, I sure hope so, because I just asked it. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I would appreciate someone asking me a question like that. Now, hopefully not in front of Holly. It's Mm -hmm. awkward when people think that she can't hear or understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, That just happened to me yesterday, as a matter of fact. But I would absolutely welcome someone who genuinely wants to know how to interact with my child. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. The details of interacting is those are going to be different depending on each child's special needs, of course. But here's just a couple of general ideas to keep in mind. And it all centers around the main principle of respect that child as a person. Mm -hmm. Trying to look past the physical limitations and see that child as a fellow human being who has fears and feelings and joys and anxieties, just as you do. So one way you can show that respect is just acknowledge her presence. One thing I appreciate, Ginger, is that whenever we see you at a convention or something, you do always make a point to greet Holly by name. Now, maybe you use the, the wrong, wrong name, name once. <laughs> yeah, but honey, do you know how many times I do that? Because she changes her name so often. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But you don't always get a response when you say hello to her, do you? Mm-mm. No, she doesn't always, she may not look at you. She may not say anything. She may not, you may not even see that it doesn't look like she even heard you, but don't let that put you off and make you think that your greeting was a waste of time. It's completely the opposite. Holly knows who respects her as a person, who takes the time and makes the effort to acknowledge her presence and who tries to ignore her. She can tell. And another way to respect her as a person is to communicate with her as you would with anyone else, but without putting pressure on her to respond. Mm. I remember a doctor who modeled this idea for me so well. She was explaining what Holly's tests had revealed and what she was planning to do to help. But she didn't just look at me and talk to me. She also looked right at Holly and talked to her in the same tone of voice that she was using with me. She didn't switch to baby talk or draw out her words, you know, (laughs) or raise her voice. No, she just included Holly in the conversation and talked to her like a person. The only difference was the doctor was well aware that she might not get any response from Holly, either visually or vocally. And 
the doctor was okay with that. She would pause and allow time for a response if Holly wanted to respond, but she didn't put any pressure on her to respond. Hmm. Now, with Holly, if you use statements rather than questions, that's what helps. So you could say, it's good to see you rather than, hey, how are you? Hmm. Or you could use, I think the last time we saw each other was when we were in Tennessee, rather than, oh, when did we last see each other? The Mm -hmm. questions, it's easy because adults use questions with children all the time, Mm -hmm. all the time. But -hmm. when we're talking to each other, we don't do that. Hmm, And questions, it's really interesting, but questions put a lot of pressure on Holly to reply somehow. And all that pressure actually just shuts her brain down. But statements, you can pause, it invites a response, but you don't require one. Mm -hmm. Now, don't be fooled though in your head, because often it, it can seem like when a person isn't responding to you, if a person isn't talking back to you or using any language to communicate at all, it's real easy to slip into a mindset that they must not have any language skills. But just because Holly doesn't express her thoughts very easily, that doesn't mean that she is not receiving your language and processing it inside. Mm. Even if she can't comprehend every detail of every word that you say, you bet she understands your attitude toward her and what you think of her. Because that kind of communication, well, I guess it takes place on a whole different level. And she's good at that. Even if she can't use her own words, she Mm. can understand what your attitude is. Many of our special needs kids can. So be encouraging, be kind, um, be honest. If she asks you a question or says something to you and you don't understand it, because sometimes her, her speech is hard to understand. You can just tell her, I didn't quite understand that. I'm going to ask your mom for help so you don't have to say it again mm-hmm. or something like that. Or, you know, if you call her the wrong name, just, I'm <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Let's try that over. I'm going to call you the right name this time. Mm-hmm. That's just a, a way of being honest with her. That's good. The thing that has really hit home to me over these years, and I'm going on and on, so stop me if I need to stop. No, this is great. Mm -hmm. But Holly, and especially autistic children, seem to offer us a beautiful opportunity to practice showing unconditional love. I mean, the kind that God shows us. Mm -hmm. Our interactions with them give us a rare privilege of giving love no matter what and expecting nothing in return. You know, because we're human, usually when we show love to somebody, we expect that person to somehow, some way, sometime, at least acknowledge what we did. But God's love is on a whole different plane. And he continues to pour out love on us so well, even when we ignore him, 
even when we don't acknowledge him, or even when we might pull away from him. And those of you who are familiar with an autistic child, you know what I'm talking about. We have an opportunity to reflect God's love by not being put off when that child ignores us or doesn't acknowledge us or even pulls away from us. But instead, we can continue to recognize and honor the eternal spirit that's inside. Now I'm going to tear up. Mm -hmm. It's inside that child's restricted physical body. And we can choose to consistently and respectfully keep taking the initiative to greet them, to encourage them, to protect them, Mm -hmm. to include them, and to accept that child without any expectations of what we want in return. So, if you greet that child and she doesn't even look your way, don't be discouraged. She heard you. She did. And that little courtesy on your part was noted. (laughs) It made her feel seen. And, hey, with my daughter, you are always welcome. You can ask one question. You can ask, what's your name today? Because she loves that question. And you'll probably get a very happy response because you took the time to acknowledge her presence and to treat her as a person. Mm. Sonia, that is, I just feel like we can just close the show now. I know. That was just so good. <laughs> and I know we got off topic, but wow, Sonia, that is so incredibly helpful. Uh, and, and then you turned it into a whole devotional. <laughs> yeah. Really, really good, relating it back to the Lord. And oh, man, that was just very powerful. I wished, I so wished I'd asked you that question two years ago. And so thank you for taking time to share that. And now that I know some <laughs> great ways to better interact with Holly, that anxiety is just completely gone. And I cannot mm. wait until yes. the next time I get to see her. So thank you <laughs> for that. I appreciate that encouragement as well, Sonia. And just again, to hear your heart and how the Lord has, has softened you in a way um, through these trials and through this learning with with Holly that um, is different from what we're experiencing with kids who might not have special needs. It's it's a certain kind of sanctification, I believe. It's true. I mean, 20 years ago, before we diagnosed her, I avoided any disabilities, any children with special needs, any people. I was Mm -hmm. so uncomfortable around them. I avoided them. And, you know, the Lord's sense of humor, if you will. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, here you go, sweetheart. Mm. Um, but like you said, it, it's a special kind of sanctification. He's given me this situation, I think, to deepen my ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And and is teaching me so much through it. So I'm happy to share what he teaches me as we go along. And and I'm happy to hear what he teaches you right. as we go along. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we're all learning from each other. And that's this is, right. Absolutely. God makes all types of people for that reason. That's right. And that's why we have mm. to be transparent so that we can learn from one another. Mm. Right. Good point. Listeners, if you have a child with special needs, this might be a great episode to point your friends and family to if they are seeking to love your child well and may not be so sure always how to do that. So thank you, Sonia, for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I know that was off topic, but hopefully it was as helpful for our listeners as it was to Katie and me. Mm-hmm. 
So let's rein it back in here, back to our topic on <laughs> obedience. Um, as you know, Sonia, we're all about heart-probing questions. Katie and I spend nearly every episode in some way encouraging parents to look beyond the behaviors of their children and reach the hearts for the glory of God. Uh, can you give us your thoughts on heart-probing questions specifically with a special needs child and how that might look a bit different? Yeah, I think heart-probing questions can still be used, um, but it can be tricky with some kids. With Holly, I have to keep the concepts simple and specific. For example, let's take the word obey. And that's often used generally across many different applications. You know, obey me. That's a blanket statement. But if I say the word obey, what mental picture do you see in your mind? Is it a tangible, <laughs> specific mental image that comes to mind? Yeah, I'm Probably not. That's why we didn't answer. We're <laughs> yeah. blank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's a general principle that can be right. applied in many ways. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is that many autistic children think in pictures. Mm-hmm. So vague generalizations or broad concepts like obey can be puzzling to them. And it's difficult for them to comprehend and apply on their own. They need those specific applications that they can picture. And again, this isn't everybody, but this is my experience. Um, So if I maybe will give her a specific application, put away these blocks. Okay, now you've got a mental picture. Mm -hmm. That's an easy mental picture. So I just have to keep that in mind whenever I'm asking these heart-probing questions. I could say, did you obey or not obey me? And I think, Ginger, that's a typical heart-probing question Mm -hmm. that you've used as examples before with Mm -hmm. other children. Mm -hmm. And it works for many children. But with my autistic child, it's going to be easier for her to comprehend If I make it very specific to start with, if I say, mommy told you to put away the blocks, did you put away the blocks? Hmm. Yeah. And by the way, let me just insert this thought here. Um, When we're asking heart probing questions with our special needs kids, it helps to remember to give them all options for communicating, all of the communication tools that they can use in this conversation. So you might allow the child to nod or to shake her head or to point to yes or no, or to sign yes or no, if that child finds it difficult to speak words. And that's the same with Holly. It's hard for her to find the words, especially if she's feeling pressure. So I have to watch like a hawk when she nods her head. It is such a teeny, tiny movement. It's like, (laughs) Did, did I see that or was I imagining that? <laughs> and if I miss it, I assume she hasn't answered me. And I ask the question again. And then she looks puzzled like, hello, you know, I already answered that. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm going to deviate just a smidgen. I'll get right back on the path. I promised. But there's a theory that autistic children experience the world about 10 times more intensely than neurologically typical people do. So Hmm. colors are 10 times more vivid. Light is perceived as 10 times brighter. And movement then is perceived as 10 times faster or closer. So if that's the case, 
her little teeny tiny head movement probably seems huge to her. Mm. And when I don't see it, it's like, what do you mean you didn't see that? I can just hear this going on in her head. Of course, she's <laughs> never said it. But, you know, mm-hmm. what do you mean you didn't see me? I nodded my head so big. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> once we've stated the specific application and we've gotten an answer from her, now we still want to help that child make the connection between the word obey and the meaning of this specific thing mommy told me to do. Because scripture verses use the word obey. So we want to help them make that connection. So I usually insert that word obey when I'm confirming her answer. All right, so the whole conversation might sound something like, um, mommy told you to put away the blocks. Did you put away the blocks? Child nods or says something or points to yes. And then I can say, you're right. You did not obey mommy. Mm. Okay, now we've got a connection there and we can share the applicable scripture that uses the word obey because we've put it into a concrete form. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Very wise. Very helpful. And often uh, Ginger will say, if the child doesn't respond, and if that's just not an option, or if the child in a typical case is just being stubborn and won't respond, we don't want to get into a power struggle. And we'll just say, no, you did not obey. We answer the question for them so we don't get into a power struggle. Yes, right. And even yes. that's right. And even if they don't answer that question, we know that they're pondering the answer to that question in their heart. Right. Good. Well, I haven't counted them, but I would guess that nearly half, if not more, of the parenting questions we receive are related to consequences. That's a very big question for parents. Mm -hmm. And most of the questions that don't directly address that at least imply this question. So what do I do about this? So it's probably one of the most pervasive thoughts we have as parents right Mm -hmm. after, what am I doing wrong? Why is this not working? (laughs) Yes. Consequences are tricky, even with typical children who don't have special needs. So can you help us think through ways you have approached consequences in the past and how parents with special needs children can come up with some solutions that work for their individual children? You're right. It is hard enough to come up with appropriate consequences to use with typical children. It can be a real challenge to think of effective and appropriate consequences for our special needs kids. And of course, I can't speak for all special needs situations, but with autistic children, the consequences must be very closely and clearly tied to the infraction Hmm. for the child to understand the connection between the two. And for many autistic kids, once you say this is the consequence, they're going to expect that to be the hard and fast rule from that time forth forever on then with no variations in every situation. So it can be a real challenge. Um, but usually when I'm trying to think of a consequence for any child, special needs or not, I first identify what is the non-negotiable. What's the action that I am requiring no matter what? And once I've identified that, Then I try to think through the negotiables. And I just go through the five W's and the H questions, you know, who, what, where, when, why, and how Mm -hmm. for that step. Usually the what is the non-negotiable and the why is because it is right. Mm -hmm. So I take those off and that leaves me with who, where, when, and how. And I just think through, could one of those options help me think of a possible consequence? Uh, For example, 
if a young child is playing with a toy at the table during a meal, and he knows the rule is no toys at the table, I could maybe give a where consequence. Uh, your toy can either go under your chair until you are finished eating, or I can put it up for the rest of the day. So that one had a little when involved too, the where and the when. Mm -hmm. But just thinking through who and where, when and how, at least it gives me a starting point to come up with some options. And then I can pray for wisdom and try to pick the best one in that situation. The tricky thing is that there are so many variables involved. We need to take into consideration the child's developmental capabilities, their physical abilities and limitations, the background, their unique fears, um, personality, their tendencies, and many more. But rather than seeing that situation as a daunting challenge and feeling overwhelmed and dreading it, I want to invite everybody to start thinking of those situations as sacred opportunities. Mm. Those opportunities give us a reminder in the midst of our busyness to turn our thoughts to the Lord and cry out to Him for wisdom and grace. I mean, those are opportunities to grow in praying without ceasing. You know, it's an opportunity to tell our Heavenly Father those four words that He wants us to say often, Lord, I need you. And it's an opportunity to see what he's going to do in the hearts of his children. So don't dread the need for a consequence. That is a prime moment for us to intentionally turn our hearts toward our wise creator and ask him for some creativity and wisdom. Mm, yeah, that's something that we've mentioned several times on the podcast there, Sonia. You just hit the nail on the head. We need Jesus as much as our children do. Mm -hmm. We fall short as much as they do, and we need his wisdom and grace just as much as they do. As parents, we have to first acknowledge our own shortcomings in sin and our dependence on Jesus for help, and then we're better able to address uh, the shortcomings and the sin of our children with the same patience and grace that we've received from our Heavenly Father. Yes. Also, what is our attitude when our children misbehave? Do we view those moments as inconveniences for us or, as Sonia said, as opportunities to point them to Jesus? If we could view all of our children's misbehaviors as opportunities to point them to Jesus, we would never <laughs> respond with frustration or anger. We would always yeah. respond with thankfulness and joy. That's a lot easier said than done, yeah. but that is oh, yeah. what we're strive for. And when we have our attitudes and our hearts in the right place, that is how we'll respond. That's right. Mm. Well, and I think you both hit the nail on the head. You said, Sonia, you know, in the midst of our busyness to turn to the Lord. And I think so much of my frustration, and especially in following through with consequences, is just the sheer busyness of life and not taking the time to do what you said and really ponder these questions and how can I approach this in a way that's God honoring that really does point my child to Jesus and isn't reactionary on my part because we need to move on to the next thing. So, so much of the frustration rises in my heart is connected to time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I yeah. want to keep going. I, I want to keep moving. We've got places to go, people to see, things right. to do. Right. And 
Oh, it's it's so convicting when I think about that. Yeah, and I think that's harder for people like us that are very task-oriented. We don't want to yeah. be interrupted. We've got this in front of us. We need to do it, and we need to do it right now. And so sometimes, you know, we just have to stop and think, okay, but what is more important? The Lord has brought this person mm-hmm. right now in this timing, and what is more important? And sometimes it's hard for us to do that. But man, when we do do it, uh, mm. God really uses that. Yes. I forget where I heard this, but someone, it might have been Jen Wilkins. I hope I'm attributing it to the right person, but uh, they were talking about how our interruptions in life, you know, someone knocks on our door and has a need. Someone calls us up and has a need. A child has a need. These are not interruptions to our life. This is our life. This is what God Mm. has given us. And these interruptions are people who are in need of what we have and can share with them. So that's just such a convicting thought as I've got my, like you said, Ginger, our list of tasks I want to accomplish and, you know, things I want to do. But these people are here for a purpose and I am in their lives for a purpose. So I appreciate you both mm, for pointing that's a good us word. to that. Mm-hmm. Well, since I have two of my favorite speakers here in the same virtual room, I would like to have you both weigh in on a listener question. This is from Jennifer in Alabama, and she asks this. My daughter has many medical needs, spina bifida, amputated legs, G-tube, etc., yet she is mentally on track. She is three and often quickly obeys. Sometimes she decides to not obey, and I never really know what to do. Spanking is not possible in this situation due to her medical needs. Timeout works some, but she sits all the time in her wheelchair, so she doesn't really care. With her being so young, taking things away hasn't really worked yet. Do you have any suggestions for how to get her attention? I often scramble to make a plan, and I think she can tell that I'm not sure what I'm doing. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I don't have experience with the medical issues that Jennifer is dealing with. Um, But I asked a friend of mine whose daughter has spina bifida. And she said first to pray specifically for wisdom in this Mm -hmm. area, because each child is so different. And second, to try to establish as many good habits as possible. So the need for correction is going to grow less frequent. And then the third suggestion she had was, Perhaps you could tweak the time out to spotlight how sin breaks relationships. Mm. For example, if your daughter wants to be with you, maybe you leave the room during the time out. Or if she's chatty, she has to be completely quiet for a few minutes. Or if she really loves the dog, the dog has to leave the room during the time out too. Mm. And by the way, those consequence possibilities involve a who, a where, and a how option. Okay? Mm-hmm. Who's involved, mm-hmm. where the timeout takes place, and how the timeout is going to look. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to throw that in. All right. Mm-hmm. Let me just add a couple of things to my friend's ideas that, that we just gave. First, I would encourage um, Jennifer, make sure you're communicating sorrow at that sin and broken relationship rather than anger or frustration. And Mm. always be sure to restore that relationship as soon as possible. You know, this isn't just, I'm angry with you. I'm going to storm out of the room and leave you here by yourself. That's that's not what we're saying this should look like at all. Um, And the second thing I just want to mention is, Jennifer, you said your daughter often quickly obeys. 
And that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You're doing a lot of things right mm-hmm. for your three-year-old to obey quickly and often. I mean, well done to you. Yes. You need to take mm-hmm. some time to celebrate that obedience and celebrate it in your own heart, but also with your daughter. Um, recognize that mm-hmm. growth and be encouraged and keep it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Katie, I appreciate you uh, sending us that question ahead of time because I, too, have a friend whose daughter is in a wheelchair, and uh, I asked her the question, too, because, you know, I don't, know, I wouldn't know what to say to that, and she basically said the same thing as far as consequences, to find something that's of value to her and then take that thing away for a time. Jennifer, you said that you often have to scramble to make a plan and that you think your daughter senses your uncertainty. Well, it could be that you're looking for that one perfect consequence to bring about the change you're after, but there is no perfect consequence, and we know Mm -hmm. that only God can truly change the heart. So just pick one, and be confident and be consistent, and most important, be prayerful for God to work. And remember that while consequences, they are necessary, especially for the small child who does need to learn to obey— they are only a small part of training children in wisdom. So don't overthink the small stuff. Be diligent with whatever consequence you choose and pray that God would use your efforts to bring about a genuine change in the heart of your child as only he can do. Amen. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Sonia. So what do you have for us today, Sonia? Well, I like to give children opportunities to make little choices and experience the related consequences in those little things. For example, I might give the choice to a preschooler, uh, would you like the Peter Rabbit plate or the Winnie the Pooh plate for lunch? Or uh, you can pick out two quiet toys to have on your bed for rest time. Things like that. I keep the choices limited so I don't overwhelm them. Mm-hmm. Usually with young children, I just give two options to choose between. But I think allowing them to make choices and experience the consequences in different areas of life, not just obedience issues, but in many areas of life, I think that will give them practice in making good choices and learning from both their good and their not-so-good natural consequences. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yep, good tip. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Well, before we close this episode, I'd like to share that the listener question I read today is from a precious friend of mine. Jennifer Mm. babysat our oldest two kids when we first moved to Alabama, and it has been an unbelievable privilege and a joy just to see how the Lord has strengthened her faith through motherhood in ways that only He can do. And this family has faced so many obstacles, but they have chosen to exercise their faith day after day. And I share that because I would love for you, Sonia, to offer a word of encouragement to special needs parents like Jennifer, who often feel overwhelmed with the physical, emotional, and the spiritual challenges they face on a daily basis. But it seems like living in a special needs situation is a lot about learning to live with limitations. And it is such an encouragement to me to remember that 
Jesus knows all about living with limitations. Mm. When he left heaven and took on a human body and lived here on earth for 33 years, he was living with huge limitations. Mm. So when I run to him again and pour out my frustrations and hurts and confusion about my life and my child's life with limitations again, um, (laughs) he knows exactly what I'm talking about. He has experienced it. And I think there's a special bond between people who have experienced the same heartaches and suffering. So I think there's a special place in his heart for those who are living with limitations in their bodies. Mm. But the beauty of it is that he doesn't just sympathize with us. He reaches out with his nail-scarred hands and gently lifts our heads and reminds us of that blessed hope, the joy of wholeness awaiting our children in heaven. Mm. Mm. So my sister, fix your eyes on Jesus. Pour out your heart before him and never lose sight of that glorious day when we all will be made whole. Well, I'm supposed to close it after that. So I'm, <laughs> no, I'm glad you're closing it, not me, because I'm grabbing the oh, tissues. Oh, wow. Sorry. No, it's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Sonia and Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show today and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering Ginger's best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, A Mom's Look at Heart-Oriented Discipline, as well as the six-week study guide at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Ginger and I would love to lead a women's event at your church. We offer a one or a two-day conference. If your church might be interested in hosting our women's conference or bringing in Ginger for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.